Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor, and you're here for another episode of The Beat Check. We got a great show tonight. We got Nick Filato. He's with Big Blue Banter, writer, podcast host of Big Blue View, joining us. And at 9 o'clock, we got Chris Jenkins from Charlotte Vibe helping us get ready for the Panthers at Giants preview. Both teams on the skids, Cody Lashney. Uh, One, are we frauds? We felt like it for a moment, uh, or it's starting to feel like it. And two, we're playing a team that has a lot of links to the Carolina Panthers, and these guys have been struggling. It's time for us to get back on our feet. Cody, how you doing? Nice to see you again for the second night in a row. Oh, it's good to see you, man. This is the C3 Beat Check, where we check the beat with beat reporters who follow the Carolina Panthers and the teams of our uh, that we're going to be facing the following Sunday, man. We have a great guest tonight. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Tintizzi, tonight is first team all hair. No shame in any of our games. It's a big-time hair show. and uh, But you know what? It's also a big-time football show. And uh, we have a good one in store. So, Tony, I'm excited, man. Let's jump into it. Nick, welcome to the Beat Check. How you doing, my friend? Tony, Cody, thank you so much for having me. Let's break down this matchup of a team that has lost three straight games and the New York Giants, who morale is even lower than the Carolina Panthers right now. I can assure you of that. Wow. I do owe you one thank you, and that is for beating the Saints. We appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely appreciate (laughs) that one, man. Yeah, that was the one quarter of football that the Giants were able to put together that was really respectable, about a quarter and a half in the fourth quarter there. But it looked very bleak before that fourth quarter. Yeah, and the one game that uh, I had a chance of winning with my fantasy team because I was the idiot that drafted Saquon Barkley at number 11 in my fantasy dra- in my fantasy draft, and it's just been a calamity of errors. I won it. I'm in this dynasty league. I won it last year. Um, it's a league that you have to pick some keepers in the late rounds, and they have to be sensational in years to come. And I won it in the fourth year of being – an Alvin Kamara keeper who I, I drafted in his rookie year in the 14th round. And that was the difference maker. Now we can only keep those players for four years. That's the limit. And so now I'm without my Alvin Kamara and I'm starting all over on a rebuild and the Super Bowl hangover is here for the, my, the team. I like Bucker 
And uh, the reason that is, is that I am, oh, and I have not won a game yet, dude. I've lost by a point. I've lost a Monday night with two players, um, Mike Williams being one of them, only down 10 points. And Saquon Barkley is my biggest enemy. And let's go ahead and start with this. Injuries have been a problem for both of these teams, particularly when it comes to the running back. Christian McCaffrey out um, for Cody. How many games has he missed at this point for over since Matt Rule has taken over as head coach? Uh, he has like, missed, I believe, something uh, 17 of 23 games. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has missed in the Matt Rule era. So it's uh, it's been most of them. And that number is going to continue to grow. So right now we have a staring contest between two of the greatest running backs that do not play. Saquon Barkley, um, is it is he turning into a bust? Turning into a bust is – it's hard to say that because in my opinion, when, when the Giants selected Saquon Barkley, I was truly upset by that pick. It's not a referendum on Saquon Barkley's skill set. I think he has a generational type of talent more on the athletic side rather than the nuances of playing running back. I still think he has some struggles. He's not at that Christian McCaffrey level in terms of a vision, in terms of how to feel, when to press, and all the little nuances of how to run – play running back. He likes to bounce it outside a lot. He misses some holes sometimes. I feel like he's been much better in pass protection this year than he has in the past. But I don't think in the modern NFL, you should select a running back at two. I really don't, especially when your roster is not great because Dave Gettleman inherited a roster from Jerry Reese that wasn't good. That was not good. You needed draft capital. You could have selected a quarterback. You decided not to go in that direction, but you could have traded that pick back, got more. You could have went with someone like Quentin Nelson to really sure up your offensive line which was the main goal Dave Gettleman said coming in, being the general manager, he said, we're going to fix the trenches. We're going to fix the offensive line. And here we are in year, what, three or four. four right? yeah, yeah, year four of Dave Gettleman, 2018, 19, 20, 21. And this offensive line is not great. And I know they've had a lot of injuries, but even without those injuries, you're relying on guys like Shane Lemieux, who was a fifth round pick out of Oregon to be a big starter for you. Will Hernandez has been a bust. He was the, I think, 36th pick. In the 2018 draft, he has not lived up to expectations. Andrew Thomas was having a phenomenal year, but now he joins the laundry list of Giants who are on the IR. It's just been unfortunate, man. But I don't believe Saquon Barkley is anywhere near the Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey le- uh, level in terms of being a true uh, star running back, mainly when it comes to the nuances. His athletic ability, that's superior, but that's going to deteriorate as he gets older and as these injuries continue to match. Let's talk yeah. about another controversial pick, and that is in, I believe, the same draft, right? Daniel Jones? Was that was he not the next year. Oh, it was the next year. The yeah. pick um, really reminded me of a Blake Bortles-like pick is that uh, is a pick that of, of a guy who looks good in a football jersey uh, but has not didn't have enough tape, in my opinion, to really merit um, that high of a pick. Daniel Jones, from the last I heard, was dealing with a concussion. What is the status of him uh, health-wise? Is he going? Is he going to be available this week? And what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones so far as uh, the, of the Giants' quarterback of the future? So Daniel Jones will be out there. He was concussed against the Cowboys trying to rush it in from the goal line. It was a pretty bad. He got up wobbly. Was definitely got you know his bell absolutely rung. But he passed concussion protocol. Played last week against the Rams. Was intercepted three times. Also fumbled the football. Some of that was on him. Some of it was on the fact that his offensive line was terrible. My overall assessment of Daniel Jones, similar to Saquon Barkley, I was a little upset when the Giants made that pick. They selected him at six in 2019. I had the, I guess, privilege to acquire a lot of his college tape at Duke. 
from when he was in David Cutcliffe's system, same system that Eli Manning played in, same system that Peyton Manning played in, only with like tweaks, I guess you could say. This was a much more RPO heavy system, single read type of system down at Duke. So it didn't necessarily put a lot in his plate. And I evaluated him. I thought he was a second round pick. Giants get him at six. I was a little upset. I think Daniel Jones has a bad rap nationally. My overall assessment of Daniel Jones is I think he's a quarterback that can win in the league. He just isn't somebody who is going to put the entire team on his back and be the reason that you win. And how far, what's the upside? How far, what's the ceiling of the team where your quarterback isn't necessarily one of the best players on the team. He's more kind of along for the ride. And the roster around Daniel Jones right now is not one that is conducive to allow this team to have success because Daniel Jones, I don't feel like, even though he has shown glimmers, he has shown, I feel like, bright spots, it's not consistent enough. And then he falls back on bad habits, recklessness with the football, trying to extend plays, locking onto number one targets, not necessarily seeing what what he sees pre-snap if it changes post-snap and it confuses him it takes him that split second he sits there he burps the baby and that split second is all you need in the nfl to get and sack the quarterback especially when your offensive line isn't all that great i think if daniel jones was in a better system he could be a quarterback say like a trying to not trying to make comparisons to his skill set but just to the upside someone like an andy dalton at some point i would say something yeah. like that now andy dalton back when they were winning football games in cincinnati when he was in a better situation with marvin lewis Upside's not necessarily there. I do think he can play, but I don't think it's necessarily something that is uh, going to – he's not a Justin Herbert. He's not a Josh Allen. He's not somebody who's in that echelon. He, I don't think he'll ever physically be in that echelon. And then you, you got to ask that question. you got to pick up his fifth-year option next year. How far can your team go with a quarterback like that? Do you want to end up with his Jared Goff type of contract? Ugh, uh, that's uh, something that you really got to debate right now. So that's where I'm at. With Daniel Jones, I'm kind of taking it week by week. But as of right now, he hasn't shown enough consistent football for me to want the Giants to invest a long-term contract. Yeah, Daniel Jones from the Charlotte area, by the way, got inspired to play football watching the 2003 Panthers team uh, go to that Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, close ties between these two franchises, the Panthers and the New York Giants. And, Inevitably, that's because of Dave Gettleman. I mean, hey, the man picked uh, both of the running backs that we're talking about in the top 10, both Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. But, you know, you've talked about some of the setbacks that Saquon had. Maybe that Jones isn't quite the guy that you would have wanted him to be. Is Dave Gettleman on the hot seat this year? Uh, I mean, it kind of sounds from the way you're speaking that he is. And, I mean, where do you see the, the Giants going this season? Is this a, a team that's picking top 10, or are you expecting them to kind of right the ship here? I think the with the, all the injuries that are happening and the fact that they're losing close games and they're not living up to the image that Joe Judge portrays to the media, I think a lot of, a lot of things could change if the breaks continue to, or if everything falls, if the wheels continue to fall off this bus is I guess what I'm trying to say. I think Dave Gettleman is going to be out at the end of the season. I don't know if the Giants will end up firing him or if they'll do that whole ceremonial retirement like they did with Tom Coughlin. I don't think he's going to live through this mess right now. I mean, this one in five right now. We're in the middle of October and we're already looking forward to the draft. That's the state of the Giants. And I feel like every season that has been the state of the Giants under Dave Gettleman. Last year was a little bit fluky because the NFC East was just abysmal, but that's because the NFC East sucked. That's why the Giants were in the playoff picture down the stretch of the season. Giants weren't really a good football team. I feel like they're a competitive football team, not as much this season because the defense has regressed 
so bad. So I think at the end of this year, especially if Carolina goes up there and just spanks the Giants in their home, everybody's on the hot seat. As of right now, though, I don't see them making the playoffs. I don't see them regrouping and beating teams like Tampa Bay and Kansas City and even Las Vegas who are on their schedule in the next couple weeks. That's not going to happen. Dave Gettleman is not going to retain his job. There's going to be another general manager. Now I think the biggest question with that is do the Giants just promote Kevin Abrams, who they've been grooming to be a general manager, or do they go outside their organization, something that, is some, that isn't necessarily something within their framework, and find someone else to give a different vision to what the Giants have been doing because it hasn't been working for so long. Outside of that 2016 season, Tony and Cody, the Giants have been just terrible since yeah. they won the Super Bowl last. So I, th- I think it's – I've I've heard two people say are the wheels gonna come if the wheels come off the bus uh, for the Giants this year, and I gotta say I I feel like they're already off the bus at this yeah. point. It's like it's like a, at this uh, you're on the side of the road hoping that you can get the tow truck out there and and get to the the repair shop. What's interesting about that last season is Ron Rivera leads a Washington football team to a playoff uh, berth. He did that with Dave Gettleman in 2014 with a Carolina Panthers team that was eight, uh, seven, eight, and one. So another time has Dave Gettleman and Ron Rivera been part of being such a crappy division. Uh, one of the things I'm interested about is your thoughts. You know, Dave Gettleman started out uh, with the Carolina Panthers as our GM in 2013 and inherited what was arguably a mess contractually for the Panthers. And he always called us in salary cap hell. Um, and, and you know what, he got us right away. He had a good, the best draft of his career in 2013. And then it really started to go downhill from there. I thought though, after the 2015 year, when we were 15 and one, you know, the Super Bowl appearance, man, we were all about, I was all about some Dave Gettleman. I thought Dave, I was the Dave Gettleman for president, but here's the, what I've learned about Dave Gettleman is number one, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room at all times. And he tries to be too cute when it comes to his selections he tries to show you that he knows more about football than anybody and it turns out he doesn't vernon butler a great example of this kelvin benjamin another example of this and what has then happened is that he does not take his own advice nick he is always he's got he's got the great pressers he's got the best pressers in the world dude this guy is awesome man he's like it's mashugana he has all these yiddish phrases that he loves to drop he says it's all about the offensive line, all about the big boys in the trenches. And then he never does anything to address the offensive line, A. And when he does, it's always a disaster. I will point to Nate Soldier being played a ton of money, right? He also saddled us with Matt Khalil. Matt Oh, my gosh. Just a disaster. I feel like he always said this, and I want to get your opinion on it. Did he said it was a great, it's a great strategy. He just doesn't listen to his own damn advice. And that is use free agency to set up the draft. Well, for us, what he did is he revoked Josh Norman's uh, franchise tag and then proceeded to draft three corners in a draft back to back because he didn't have anybody on the team. And uh, they all turned out to stink. Actually, one of them is good. And his name is James Bradbury, who I know uh, Giants fans are shitting on. But he's also then, he's always reactionary. He had to go and get Christian McCaffrey because he never addressed any skill players. He's a day late and a dollar short when it comes to addressing apparent needs. What do you think about his performance so far? And is he still a good soundbite machine? 
he is still a good soundbite machine. Maybe not as much now because the seat is so hot that the questions aren't really going to be something that he wants to bring levity to the situation because it's it's full. Nice bang energy, by the way. It's full pitch for <laughs> right now for uh, for Dave Gettleman. You have to look at the uh, the product on the field, right? The Giants are losing football games. And I feel like he's hit on certain picks, but he's also allocated a lot of assets to certain positions that have not panned out, i.e. the defensive line, for instance. And I think Leonard Williams, I understand them signing him. He had 11 and a half sacks last year. I'm not necessarily against that, but he's getting paid near Aaron Donald money. And I like Leonard Williams a lot. I think he gets a lot of crap. I think he's a very good football player, but he is nowhere near the market value of someone like Aaron Donald. And I understand how contracts work. You want to, you know, pay and then you keep leapfrogging everybody. When you're allocating that much cap to somebody, he needs to be more of a uh, presence as an interior pass rusher. And it's something he's struggled with. You spent the 17th pick though on Dexter Lawrence, and he's kind of been a letdown. Xavier McKinney hasn't necessarily scratched the surface. And the way I always look at the Giants is this is just collective blame. I think Definitely it starts with the general manager. You ha- well, actually, it probably starts with John Manor if we're going to be real. But you want to go down from the owner, it starts with Dave Gettleman. It starts with that general manager. They did not bring in a lot of offensive linemen to compete. They had what I called coaching hubris heading into the season. They brought in Rob Sale to be their offensive line coach to focus on this offensive line. And they're like, you know what? We're going to go in the season. Matt Parrott, Nate Solder, they could fight it out for the right tackle position. We have Shane Lemieux at left guard. We'll just kick Will Hernandez over to the right side, and we'll be fine. And they suffered a couple injuries, which is unfortunate to Nick Gates. But that right tackle position is just a disaster, With whether it's Nate Solder, whether it's Matt Parrott. It doesn't matter. There's no depth along the offensive line. And your best offensive lineman by far was Andrew Thomas, and now he's on injured reserve. And John Mara has given the flexibility to Dave Gettleman to go out and spend money in free agency, man. They, they've spent, they, they, they poured money into many free agencies this year. Dory Jackson, Kenny Galladay, two huge additions. Oh, what a mess the Galladay signing is. It's, it's very unfortunate because he's unhealthy and he can't get on the field. Kadarius Tony looks like an absolute hit, but now he's unhealthy. And then you look at the year prior, you brought in Blake Martinez, absolute stud of a linebacker. He tore his ACL this year out. And then you also brought in James Bradbury. James Bradbury had one heck of a year last year. He was great for us. But right now he's not living up to that same standard that he set last year. And it seems like everybody had their best year on defense under Patrick Ram last year, but now offensive coordinators have Patrick Ram figured out. And these players aren't playing up to what they put on tape in 2020. And those two things combined with each other just allowed this defense to just be absolutely terrible, really, because they rank like 27th in, in yards allowed, 29th in points allowed. It, it's just been terrible. Uh, absolutely. Um did we steal uh, – was Joe Judge the target or did we steal Matt Rule from you guys and then Joe Judge was the alternative? So Matt Rule was the favorite going into that, right? And they wanted to do their due diligence. Bill Belichick said, hey, check out Joe Judge. You know, Bill Belichick has strong ties with the New York Giants organization and the ownership. So they did. And Joe Judge reportedly knocked the interview just out of the park. And they were like, wow, this guy is really good. We can't allow him to go interview with a lot of – other teams. And I can see why Joe judge is an excellent communicator. He, he preaches all about education and I still want to buy into him. But at the end of the day, it really just comes down to winning football games. And when you're not winning football games, you got to go. And then it's that simple at the end of the day, but I do like Joe judge, but I think that's more so what happened rather than, than Matt rule, just getting stolen by uh, your guys' organization. Nick, uh, you know, I hear you talk about all the things that have gone wrong with this Giants football team and the fact that you're one in five. I hear you talk about the defense being bad, about all your offensive line picks being either bust or overhyped or what have you. And Nick, I got to tell you, man, 
that still doesn't make me too much more confident going into this matchup because I don't know how much you've looked into this Carolina Panther football team, but our offensive line is bad. It's really, really bad. Even teams like the Jets and the Texans are, you know, they're, they're getting a good amount of pressure. Now Sam Donald has sort of reverted back to the Sam Donald who played for the New York Jets and he's throwing a bunch of interceptions you know, he really has a lot of happy feet inside the pocket. Do you think that you have any, uh, that in any way this might be an opportunity for your defense to have an unexpectedly good performance like they did against New Orleans, considering how piecemeal this Panthers offensive line is right now? I do. I think the Giants can win this football game, and I'm not an overly optimistic person who covers the New York Giants. I feel like I'm just very objective on what's going on. And it's been, like I said before, terrible. But I look at what you guys are putting on tape over there and I see the current state of your offensive line. Now look at the Giants' strength, even though it hasn't been consistent this season, but Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojolari, and all these pieces, if they can win their one-on-one matchups and get pressure on Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold can go back to those New York Jet tendencies that we all saw, throw some interceptions. So I expect, as Matt Rule said, there's going to be a much more run-heavy type of approach in this game. I think Matt Rule is going to try to mitigate the mistakes that Sam Darnold could possibly make against this defense. But if the Giants are going to win this game, it's going to have to be on the defensive side, and I think that is a winnable matchup. But will it happen is the big thing. I'm not 100% certain of that. And then also you got to talk about you guys could force some Daniel Jones turnovers with what Phil Snow can do with his exotic. This is going to be a turnover fest. (laughs) (laughs) It really could. And honestly, Daniel Jones, he's been really good with his turnovers up until that past week. He only threw the one interception at the end of the half against the Saints, which was, you know, we're just going to bomb into the end zone. And then the Saints guy intercepted it. It's like, I'm not going to really put that on Daniel Jones. It's not really his fault. That's just something that ends up happening in my opinion. But last week, it was a totally different story, and he ended up kind of going back to 2019 reckless uh, Daniel Jones. And hopefully he doesn't do that again. But when you have Billy Price as your starting center, a combination of Wes Martin and Matt Skura at left guard, you have – I guess they're going to put Nate Solder at left tackle. Could be Matt Pear. I'm not really 100% certain. Then Will Hernandez, who's your best offensive lineman now, which says a lot about the current state of the Giants' offensive line. Because as much as I like Will Hernandez coming out of the draft – He's just been a huge disappointment, to be honest. And on the right side, you have whichever Nate Solder or Matt Parrott you're not going to put out there. If one of those two get hurt and neither of those two are ideal, you have Corey Cunningham, a guy you just signed to your practice squad as the other starter. Like it's it's the Giants offensive line right now. I mean, the Panthers and Giants, they could really just battle for for who has a worse offensive line because it's they're both they don't seem really good on paper. I still worry. Uh, so the Panthers left guard is normally Pat Elfline. But he's been injured, and we brought up a poor sap named Michael Jordan. By the way, what terrible luck to not only be a to not only be a terrible football player, but you're named after one of the greatest athletes of all time. Who yeah, owns so, the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, who, yeah, who owns the Charlotte area? Let's be real. Um, but you know, uh, th- you know, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence. You said you hadn't necessarily uh, been too impressed thus far. The, the Panthers. Their offensive line, what you just mentioned is what they don't do well. They don't win those one-on-one matchups well. That's why, quite frankly, it even baffles me that Matt Rule is out here telegraphing exactly what we want to do. That, yeah, we're going to run the ball more. 
Well, thanks. Now, even uh, opposing podcasters know it before we're going into our next matchup. So that's kind of confusing to me. Uh, I, I wanted to direct our focus back to James Bradbury. Panther fans were up and down on him his entire time here in Carolina. And then uh, he goes over to New York, and then Panther fans are regretting that we didn't pay this man. What do you think is the real story about James Bradbury? Can his, his performance return to what it was last year? Or do you think that this is another one of those Gettleman signings because he drafted him and so on and so forth? Or did you think he can be a legitimate shutdown corner for the Giants? think it's well within his wheelhouse to be a legitimate shutdown corner because we saw that last year and he has two interceptions on the season one against the Saints when Taysom Hill tried to get aggressive and push the ball vertically which was not a good idea and then the one that should have sealed the win against the Washington football team on Thursday night football my thing about James Bradbury is he's a little bit of a better zone cornerback than a man coverage cornerback I think he's a good athlete I don't think he's an elite athlete and I think his best quality is probably his ability to read route combinations from depth and then break, click, and close downhill on said route combinations. And he studies his film. He definitely does because he understands what offenses are trying to do. And you could see that. Last week, terrible game against the Rams. He almost had two interceptions in that game. I and mean, he broke down to the catch point. Brings a lot of disruptiveness to the catch point. So I think he could reclaim what he showed last year. But I think it's a bigger issue with the defense overall, the communication, the spatial awareness, the fact that offenses have kind of caught up to this Giants defense that don't allow him to just kind of be that shutdown corner. Because the Giants, they'll run like mag coverage, which is man everywhere he goes whenever they're in their uh, man coverage sometimes or their zone match kind of on the backside. If you put a wide receiver on the backside, they'll put James Bradbury on him. Just, hey, wherever that guy goes, you worry about him and we'll do creative things with our safeties to kind of eliminate the rest of the field. I haven't seen as much of that in the last couple of games, but they're still using him in unique ways in the middle of the field. They'll put him as the num- over the number three receiver in the slot sometimes. He's definitely still the best cornerback, and he's better than Adoree Jackson right now, but he's not playing like it consistently enough. Now, I think the matchup between him and DJ Moore could be interesting because I think DJ Moore can get him every now and again. I definitely do, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing where DJ Moore's always beating him like we've – I guess you can kind of say we saw it a little bit with Terry McLaurin, but there were even routes where Terry McLaurin was shut down by James Bradbury, but we don't see it as much because the ball wasn't thrown in his direction. Yeah, he's good, not great. Um, The problem with Bradbury is that um, he has these big plays that he gives up every now and then. So he'll play really well all season long. But go back and look at the Pittsburgh game where we fell apart in 2017, where Cam got his shoulder uh, injured. It's James Bradbury just completely looked like he did not know what he was doing on the 10 yard line. They had like a 90 yard touchdown against him. And you're thinking, man, this is the guy that we needed to be more consistent. I like James Bradbury. I'm rooting for him. Um, I don't know. $20 million next year is a lot. All right, let's go get to the kind of the final topic. I know you got, we've taken a lot, a lot of your time. What are the storylines that are on your mind as a, as somebody who covers this team closely going into week seven? My co-host always says at week six, you really know who a team, you start to learn if the teams uh, are what they are. You know, as you get these teams that start 3-0 and like us, what are the storylines in week seven uh, that are on your mind covering the New York Giants? 
how can this offensive line hold up against your pass rush is probably my main storyline that I'm interested in because the offensive line originally wasn't all that great to begin with. And now they're just littered with a bunch of injuries. So how's Daniel Jones going to be kept up? Right. I think I'm going to, we're probably going to see a little bit of a conservative approach. We'll probably be a little bit of running the football with Devonte Booker, building that play action pass, try to hit a deep shot to someone like who, who they throw the football to these days, Dante Pettis, Colin Johnson, Sterling <laughs> Shepard is, is the partner. Uh, it, you're getting deep into the depth chart right now who the Giants are going to have to field because there's no Kenny Galladay, there's no Darius Slayton, there's no Kadarius Tony, And Evan Ingram, if he's ever going to get involved or, or you know put any kind of semblance of, of quality offense out there, which is something that is a sticking point with Giant fans because he's been through three regimes and no one's kind of figured out a way to use him effectively. My main, I guess, the main thing I'm paying attention to is is – how are you going to protect Daniel Jones in this game with that offensive line? That would be the main storyline. And another one is the Giants have gotten kind of blown out every time they've had a home game this year. They didn't really get blown out against the Falcons, but a lot of pe- people thought they were going to win that football game. The Falcons kind of went in there and just took the air out of the ball, ran the football. Matt Ryan like barely threw the ball over 15 yards, and the Giants just couldn't do anything about it. So on the offensive side of the ball is protecting Daniel Jones. On the defensive side of the ball is stop giving up explosive plays. Make a tackle. Last year, the Giants were so good at – eliminating explosive plays and being sure tackling team. And now they're terrible with it. So you have to mitigate those things and you're not going to win football games. So can they do those things? You know, like uh, the end of every good interview, I tell my students, I teach history at a community college and I tell my students when they're going into the workforce that every end of interview ends with, do you have any questions for us? And the thing that I always tell my students is, is have a question that is better than, what will I get paid or when will I know if I'm hired? Go look on the website, ask something. But now I'm going to end this interview with this. Do you have any questions for us? Yes. What kind of pressure packages does Phil Snow employ to allow you guys to have such a great pressure rate? You guys, I think, have the highest pressure rate, pressure win weight rate right now along your offensive line or defensive line. And you look at the personnel you guys have, they're insane. So what exactly is he doing? Is it just, hey, our, our Jimmys are better than your Joes, or is it something specific? It's not that. Go ahead, Cody. You start and I'll finish. Yeah. So listen, we're we're really doing a lot with our defensive tackles. We like to put them a lot in three tech and five tech. And we really like to put all of our guys up on the line and just make them make them play aggressive. And early in the season, the Panthers were on a historic pace stopping the run. And that was so important to what we were doing. And part of where our, our defensive philosophy has differed from this year to last year is that the Panthers are playing a real concerted effort to play more man coverage. They want to be able to pin their ears back get after the quarterback and man these receivers up. And our first round draft pick, J.C. Horn, was actually really instrumental in doing just that. He had very good numbers throughout the start of the season. Um, But then as injuries started to creep up and, and players started to go down in the backfield, we're sort of starting to go to more of a zone coverage look. And that's caused us to make a lot of lighter boxes. So we were in a 4-2 Tampa defense most of that matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, and they were just bigger on the line. They would put two tight ends and that veteran offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott, they were just bulldozing us. We were a welterweight in the ring, and they were a heavyweight. And they were yeah, able to bully us. Yeah, they were able to bully us around. And um, really, I- I'm hoping that going forward we should be able to rectify that. 
Shaq Thompson has been injured, and that's been a big problem with our defense going forward. But we've early on in the season really tried to stop the run, and I'm hoping that with uh, uh, Gilmore coming back and potentially later on down the road, J.C. Horn, that we can revert to some of those more dominant performances that we've had earlier in the season. A couple of things to add on to that. One of the things we like to do is overload one side. So we'll put like one defensive tackle over there and then we'll move shift everybody on one side. And what we'll then do is mix in crazy blitzes. And so what we do is we never over blitz. Like it sounds, it feels like we're a, he- a blitz heavy team, but it's really, we just blitz a different, we send four, but we send a different person kind of like disguising these blitzes at all times. Right. So one of the things is that we try to overload one side um, and that helps. And, you know, if our edge rushers have so much speed, you know, you can really cause some problems when you overload like uh, like one of the things that Hassan go back and watch the tape against the New Orleans Saints. And it was just a struggle for them to deal with how to pick up the extra guy coming with a side that was already overloaded. Uh, The other thing is, is that while. I do agree that the Panthers statistically were good at stopping in the, the run in the first couple of games, but I don't think that was because we're actually a good run stopping defense. I think it was because we got ahead on teams. And when we got ahead on teams, they had to, they automatically reverted to more pass oriented offenses, which then does benefit our type of scheme where we have this speed rush of Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, right? And then you can send, a linebacker, we love to blitz a safety or something to that effect. Cody's exactly right, though, is that this is a little bit determined on our secondary playing well. Maybe Stefan Gilmore helps us out there. But we've had some injuries, particularly at the safety positions, which has kind of limited us on that. Um, so I think that that is – I think part of the Panthers' recipe for success on the pass rush is being ahead in games. We, we, we've led almost every game until this past week, I believe, at halftime. Maybe we've even led in this past week. At halftime, I can't even remember. I was on the car on I-95 in awful traffic. But if we are playing from ahead, this helps Sam Darnold. It helps our defense. And I don't think we're good enough against the run from a team that's up 14 points that can then just start chugging. Look at the Cowboys. They just like this is, you know what? We're in this game. We don't got to pass. Phil Snow was all scared of those receivers. And he should be, rightfully so. That passing attack is deadly. But we forget that those two running backs, man, they can just ram it down your throat. I do think the problem uh, with the Giants is I don't know if you have the personnel to really exploit those weaknesses right now. You know, um, We experienced the same thing uh, a week later with the double Y sets with Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. And the Giants are a team that are typically pretty good against the run. They try to play tight front, spill everything outside, have those forced defenders and the secondary forced defenders make the tackle for a limited gain or at the line of scrimmage and – it just did not work whatsoever with Dalton Schultz out there, who is not just a good receiver, man. He's a really good blocker as well, the Cowboys. Fantastic stuff, Nick. Tell them how they can follow. Tell all the people that are listening how they can follow your work because they're going to be clicking on those websites in the next four days trying to figure out what we got uh, to face against these New York Giants. Yeah, hey, everyone. Uh, I'm at Nick Filato on Twitter. I'm not really creative with it. It's right there on the screen. And you can catch all the good Giants coverage from – Big Blue View. It's just bigblueview.com covering all things Panthers, Giants. So go over there, check it out. And if you want any insight on the current state of the Giants, check out the Big Blue Banter podcast. We study the X's and O's from the All-22 tape, break it down in depth. Myself and CBS's Dan Schneier. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And thank you for listening. 
You're a fantastic guest, and best of luck to you, just not this week. <laughs> After you guys, thank you so much for having me, Tony. Cody, Thanks, thank Nick. Peace. All right, Thanks, and guys. that's Nick Filato, Big Blue View, and uh, now it's time to continue to check the beat. We got now our good, good friend, friend. Chris, good friend Chris Jenkins, Charlotte Vibe. Let's go ahead and bring him in. He looks like he's studying. Right? And you know right what? I, yeah, I always, I always refer to this man by a very certain name that I love to give him, and I feel like he's embraced it. It's Chris Jenkins, the man of the people. Chris, how are you, brother? <laughs> You can't hear us. I can hear you. We can hear you. Hey, uh, you can hear yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Turn your speakers I up. My sound before I came on here, and <laughs> he's got too complicated. This system. is funny. You if you if you check out Chris's live stream, uh, he's oh, I think having, I see it. Hold on. He's always having some technical difficulties. It's all right. <laughs> I got it now. All right. Yeah, uh, hey man, you missed, my, you missed my we awesome introduction, the... man. I, I know, hit him up with the it man again. of the people and everything. I've called this man the man of the people, and that's what he is, man. He's in the press conference asking all the great questions. Chris Jenkins from Charlotte Bribe, from Charlotte Vibe, a brand new papa. Congratulations, man. Brand new father. Congratulations to you and your family. How are you, brother? Welcome back to the C3 podcast. Hey, hey, you know what? Having a kid is exciting, but also being on this show is very exciting. Hey, that's what's up. You know, I think I missed a year with COVID. Did I miss a year? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I may, maybe at the beginning. Did we? We didn't do anything last year? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know. You know what? I, I tell you this. Is we were very slack last year on lining up guests. We just kind of were like rolling here at last second, I felt like. And this was on me. I had a lot going on. The COVID stuff was big on me. And I got big family and stuff. So this year, we have doubled down. And we've added a lot of content, trying to get back and excited. And uh, we're so glad to catch up with you. Hey, hey, I'll tell you, as I was getting set up, I said, one of these days, I'm going to be able to hire you do the production for my shows. That's my dream is when I can hire you to do my production, I will be living the life. Forget ESPN, just you doing my production. We have, uh, we're starting to figure it out, but don't worry. Is uh, First of all, don't be deterred. We've had our share of issues, our audio. Oh, my God. If I can forget my microphones to be the levels right, I'm going and spending some money on a mixer next. That's the next thing, and I hate to do that. I've tried to cheap out on everything my whole life. Um, I just bought this damn expensive microphone. Still don't give me the sound I want. Anyway, um, how you been though? Congratulations! Tell us about the baby. Yeah, you know, if the wife was a little closer, I would I would grab him and uh, show him to you guys really quick. But today is actually his four weeks. Exactly four weeks today he was born. So he's doing pretty good. He's draining mom as she nurses every day. She's yeah. like every hour. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Papa has gotten used to. A lack of sleep. So that was big for me because the first couple of days, you know, I'm normally a pretty grouchy guy. Don't interrupt my sleep. But I've learned to be functional during the day now. So it's a big accomplishment. What's his name? Cyrus. Cyrus. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Uh, strong name. <laughs> exactly. So we see you've been putting out a lot of content again. Uh, I know you've been, been married. You have a big year. Married, baby. Um, 
welcome to the life of fatherhood. I got three of them myself. And I would say this is uh, once you get like, uh, if you can get that baby sleeping, uh, you'll be fine. Right. And uh, if I do, I'm, I'm not a big recommender of like self-help books and stuff like that. Hey, I don't read them. These like, I don't, I think parenthood is like pretty, it's pretty common sense. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, you know, your goal is to not let that kid die. Right. And as long as you do that, you're a good parent. But there is a book that I believe that my wife read that was awesome. It's called Eight Hours of Sleep in Eight Weeks. And it helped. And all of our kids, now, if you got health problems, if they got colic, God bless these people and these parents. But we got our kids to go to sleep. So if there's one book to check out, that's the one. So congratulations on Baby Cyrus, the next track star um, of North Carolina. But let's talk about these Carolina Panthers, Chris. Is what the heck is going on? Is a uh, exciting start three and zero, um, and uh, right now Panther fans are entering panic mode after three consecutive losses against two um, two of those losses, two, or two of the three losses against teams that the Carolina Panthers on paper look like that they should have not only been con- contenders in those games, but won at least one of them. You know, I think the Philadelphia Eagles game probably even the most disappointing of the losses to me. What do you think um, is kind of the state of the Carolina Panthers at the moment? So the state is, this is pretty much uh, as a professional analyst, where you thought we may be with this kind of record is not how you thought we would get there. You didn't think we'd right. go three and oh, then go three, uh, lose three in a row, but you kind of felt like they'd be maybe more like a four and two kind of deal. This, this first little stretch here. And, you know, coach rule said today about, the balance between panicking and, and this urgency and that he feels it, but they have got some coaching things that they got to figure out. Cause I think the one thing that everybody feels like we have are the tools to be successful. Maybe not, you know, undefeated, but you just right. feel like we have the tools to be successful and we're not. And the, and the biggest glaring problem, and, and they have a lot, but to me, the biggest one is in the first half we can play good NFL football with anybody. And in the second half, we can't play with anybody. I mean, you got a lot of other problems, but that's by far, I think it was before the last game versus the Vikings. I think we had a 44 point halftime, first half differential, right? Lots of potential. Let me show you, let me tell you how much potential that is for a good team. You know, who is the number one team for that point differential in the first half? Um, I would say either the the Cardinals or the Bills. Yeah, I said Buffalo. Buffalo is number one. And guys, what is Buffalo? Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And really, uh, you know, I mean, they are, you know, one step away from winning that game on Monday night. Yeah. They're a good football team. Both of those teams are good right, football so, teams. So let's, I have a let's question break that for down, you. Though. Let's break that down real quick before we move on. And that is, um, I, and I think another statistic that I that I read somewhere is like the Panthers are averaging like two points in the third quarter. And I think that that is like because we scored seven points on a special teams play uh, <laughs> this past week. What is going on where the Panthers have led all these go- games going into half, halftime and then uh, they come out – and it's a calamity of errors on the offense. Um, we have been trying, we've been reeling, trying to figure out what it is. And the, what I've come to determine is it's not one thing. 
right? It sadly is like is everything has gone wrong in this third quarter, whether it be from Joe Brady and communication with Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold not playing well, uh, players dropping passes, or the offensive line uh, playing poorly. Why is the third quarter so problematic for the Carolina Panthers? Let me let me first give you guys props. I think I forget which guy said which, but I think Cody, you said uh, the Arizona Cardinals number two. I said I said the Cardinals. You said it. So yeah, number one's Buffalo both. currently as of this week. Arizona's number two. Oh wow, we're Carolina's on number it. three, and look at look at our sorry record. But in terms of what's going on in that third quarter, you know, I I certainly feel like I don't know. But I certainly just feel like it's all on the coaches. I just feel so emphatically that it's the coaches because you're that's like part that's coaching one on one has been able to motivate your guys, being able to have them play through adversity and all this, that and the other. And it's so obvious that you can't come out. And, and I said last week, why don't you just do something creative to kind of make sure that you keep like coach knows because he's in the locker room. He knows the looks on their faces. He knows how they're executing what they're not executing if it's, if it's a communication or whatever it is if it's play calling but you can change that and you should i mean hey tepper loved matt rule because he believed in this big old analytics right so this yeah. team should have all of this data about everything under the sun about these players and how they perform and what they're doing and they should be able to change something I don't think people really thought about that. He like, yeah, the data's there for the third quarter. That's for damn sure. <laughs> the, the data's there for the quarter on the stats, on the players, on the speed that they're running, on their exhaust, like everything, on what plays you're running left, right, and you can't find something to get even a different result. And, and just in my simplicity, I said, hey, we probably all have played football, even at some level of pee wee football, right? And I don't care what kind of play it is, there is a play that everybody wants to run, that you don't get to run that often. It doesn't have to be a trick play. It could just be a guy lining up in a different position. Do that play, get these guys <laughs> going, and have a good second half, right? There's things that you can do, and it doesn't seem like they're, it doesn't seem like they're trying anything different because it, it seems to be the exact, exact same result every time. Chris, why is this offensive line so terrible? <laughs> it's so terrible, Chris. And and, and listen, uh, you know, the fans know I've been a broken record. One of my biggest frustrations with the coaching staff is that Deontay Brown, who's on IR right now, but he for most of the season he wasn't even suiting up. Brady Christensen, they didn't put him on the offensive line until they were panicking and they started getting a bunch of injuries. They move uh, Taylor Bolton to left tackle. Then they put Brady Christensen in on the right side. They have no desire to want to give Brady Christensen any chance on that left side. But then the biggest anomaly, Chris, is that here comes Michael Jordan, who was just recently elevated up from the practice squad, and they're already trotting him out there at left guard. This makes zero sense to me. What mindset are these coaches using to assess their talent on the offensive line, knowing, because every reporter asks them the same questions every press conference, knowing that this offensive line is so bad, why is it that they just cannot seem to get the formation right or the talent of the players that they sign in free agency correct? 
Yeah, so my my guess is that they missed on their evaluation of their offensive line in terms of what kind of talent they had. They felt like it was a little bit more talented than what it is. I'm, I definitely don't feel like they thought it was the best, but I feel like they thought it was more adequate. And to me, one of the bigger surprises, and I don't maybe he's a nice guy. We don't talk about him much, but Matt Paradis, <laughs> your uh, center, bad. He's been yeah. bad. Matt Paradis is playing pretty awful, right? And I don't know if that's just like, hey, suddenly age caught up to him. And you know, it sort of feels like it because he wasn't awful last year. He wasn't great, but he was not awful last year. Yeah, yeah. And you know, your center is, you know, usually a pretty good staple on that offensive line. He may not be the best talent, but he's he's a pretty solid guy. And he's he's just getting beat. So oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted by your cool lower thirds that pop up see one day you're going to come help me out with my operation <laughs> hey man stream yard is for everyone man <laughs> yeah stream yard man it's pretty simple these days is that we so just i think they underestimated out. their talent and now they're just scrambling desperately trying to do things i mean i, I hear you why why do you bring back a guy that you have to cut and then you bring him back to the 53 man roster to be an integral part of your offensive line to protect and defend Astor. him in the press conference. Say it again? Yeah, I, mean, I felt like uh, Matt Rule defended him in the press conference after the game. Uh, you know, is that like oh, – and, and you know what? To be fair, is like, you know, I got to go look at it a little closer and watch Michael Jordan. But uh, the idea was is that um, we've been a really crappy run-blocking team. Like, we just aren't tough and mean and powerful. And he did say he was probably the best run blocker on the dang offensive line or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, you're right. It is, there's a lot of questions here. And I think you're right on is I think that I think you're spot on by saying that they didn't expect the offensive line necessarily to be a strength, but um, that it would be something that's manageable. Sadly, uh, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same for Carolina Panther fans, because that has been the story of the offensive line for like the last seven years is <laughs> trying to just manage with average to below average talent. Yeah, I agree with you. And and, it, and even more just an echoing about the desperation that they're in. I, I totally forget his name, but they got the offensive lineman from Jacksonville off the practice squad. And oh, God, what, what's his name, Cody? You know, it. it's like a weird name. Like a yeah, he's like a big or... body, right? He's like, he's like six, like seven, seven, three hundred. And um, Austin you know, Pleasant, I think, is his yeah, name. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Pleasant? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. It's weird. And, you know, since he came, you've heard absolutely zero about this guy. One deficit that we have as reporters is though we still are allowed at the practice, we really – they shouldn't say that we can see practice because we really can't. We only get to see the first 15 minutes, which is like one-on-one drills of guys just, you know, just like watching them stretch air, almost. A whole bunch of nothing. Right. And then and then they do uh, calisthenics and then we get kicked out of there. So we don't get to see them doing anything to really judge like how other guys may be coming along. But you haven't heard anything about him. And then, like I said, we, we just talked about the uh, Michael Jordan situation and it ain't working out. Are these coaches panicking, do you think? And uh, and do you see that, um, you know, I heard uh, 
first we saw Matt Rule kind of just come out and say we we can't we got to run the ball more. It seemed like too simple of an answer, but I'm fine with it. And I don't think it's over revealing the game plan like Cody's saying. Um, I hate when Joe Brady and them come out and be like, well, I can't answer that because that would be giving away our scheme. Well, it don't really seem like you got much of a scheme to give away <laughs> at this point. So it's like that. that it's not so secret sauce. I feel like at this at this moment. But are the coaches panicking? I also heard this is that uh, some somebody asked you want to see uh, Joe Brady calling plays from the sideline. Joe Brady went down to the sideline last year in like maybe week three or week two for one game and then was back up in the booth. Um, to me, that the idea that we're asking these types of questions, there is certain desperation mounting. And do you think this coaching staff um, has the kind of internal fortitude to deal with it or are they in panic mode? So we're going to see pretty quickly, you know, coach <laughs> said that, I forget his words about not panicking, but, you know, doesn't like to lose. And I, I do sense, then I started to sense this. We just lost, we just lost to the Vikings. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying we to lost, uh, we Dallas, Philly, then the Vikings. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was after the loss of the Vikings. I, I just felt like he had a different tone and attitude in his post-game press conference of knowing like the time is now, right? You know, so yeah. coaches, they're, they're excellent. They're almost like politicians. They're excellent at having a poker face, but just the words that he was saying and already revealing, you know, moments after the game that identities have to change, the the schemes, like, like things have to change and they have to change now. So I feel like he is quite aware and I wouldn't say panic, but it's just pretty aware and is going to be trying to get things changed for his future. One thing that I've been wanting to ask him is about his conversations with David Tepper. Hopefully me saying this to you will help me remember to ask him. <laughs> sure. Because I'm we'll tweet curious. You. Don't worry. What, we'll tweet you. Yeah, tweet me. Yeah, like what kind yeah. of conversations has he been having with Tepper? What's, what's Tepper feeling like these days uh, to him? But, I mean, the guy's getting paid almost $10 million a year, and I would imagine that he's smart enough to know that he wants to keep that and he has to change things of just looking like they've always looked in the past. Yeah. Chris, let's uh, look at this defense a little bit. Shat Thompson, once again, not going to be able to compete. But we are going to see potentially the first debut of Stephon Gilmore as a Carolina Panther. And I want to ask what you think he means to this defense right now. And is there any way that um, his presence – could allow the Panthers to continue to be more of a man coverage football team. And maybe that could be what uh, lets this defense get back to its aggressive ways that we saw through uh, weeks one through three. So the weeks one through three were more so working for us defensively because teams hadn't figured us out. <laughs> I know that sounds simple. But okay. we doing Somebody so in chat room said that Phil Snow has been figured out. I hope that's not the case. Yeah, well, they, they were doing things that were different, and they were able to surprise people. That had It's almost just like the same thing that happens with a rookie quarterback that's good, like that there's no tape, and so he can have this great first year, year two and three. He struggles because they've had a chance to figure it out. But they're, they have been getting figured out, and it started with Dallas as far as how teams started playing us. And then it's just everybody watches the same film, picks it up, 
And so coach even mentioned rules about the fact that they, they're not doing the different stunts that they were doing before. And like teams are catched on to the fact like Carolina's fast on defense. So we got to do plays where we're getting the ball out of our hands quick. And I don't know if, if you remember, there was this one point when Minnesota was playing us and they're like, boom, quick to the right. And this is my right in the press box. Uh, just trying to almost like a hitch to the, to the cornerback gets a few yards. Very next play, boom, to the left, <laughs> and they get yeah. it out. And so and they saw those corners playing off too. Yeah. And so they did, they just started doing stuff quicker where our guys can't get to them. And uh, and even just knowing, like, okay, Brian Burns is, is one of the guys that's helping Hassan get some pressure, maybe, right? So it was a couple of weeks ago where Burns talked about teams were giving him different looks that makes him have to process what's going on a little bit more than normal that he wasn't seeing us kind of slowing him down. And I'd say, well, what, what, give me an example. Cause I don't understand how that could help the other team. And he said, well, if there's a tight end that's over top of me and he's not normally there in that position, then I got to think about what this tight end would do versus if there's just a regular lineman over, but that, right. you know, and the play is still the same, but it's just kind of a decoy meant to confusion. And yeah. So to me, that's saying like people are starting to have figured out the defense and now Snow has to get a little bit wiser about the things that he can do. Now, as far as Gilmore coming in, he he could be a, a help in that one-on-one situation as far as going to man coverages, which would then allow you to do more with sending pressures, but it's going to be some time before he's physically able to do that. I, I think Gilmore hasn't played since December. You guys know? It's It's been somewhere around that time. I know he was on the pup list. Uh, when he was still up there in New England. So uh, I know yeah, they were sort of hesitant. They were trying to work him back, get him up to speed. I know that he had been in meetings and he had been going through some, you know, PT stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know if Panther fans expect a whole ton from Stephon Gilmore, especially early. Um, I, I think that we're interested to see what they should. And- if you guys got all hype about CJ Henderson, you better be de- expecting <laughs> the defensive player of the year to dang come in and make a difference. Big shout out to Grim Reaper, by the way, uh, for the five dollar love bomb. It says Chris Jenkins on C3. This is why C3 is the best Panthers podcast. We appreciate a, the support. We never ask for money, but always appreciate it. And we do think we're the best podcast, but that's because it's our podcast. Um, and we've been we've been we've been pounding the pavement, and we've been putting in some work this season. And the beat check has been part of that. So you guys gotta check the beat with Chris Jenkins over at Charlotte Vibe. Um, all right, how about this? I, I got I took a lot. Tony's become the punching bag on the C three Panthers podcast. I you have make become, yourself the punching bag. That's what they say. That's what they can continue to tell me. First of all, I just think I'm the old hat and they don't like the, what the old man got to say no more. And the young kids think they're always right. Uh, <laughs> here's my take right here is, uh, and, and how crazy is it, is I think that we should be considering trading Stefan Gilmore before the end of the season. Um, and the reason being is that are we going to elig- are, are we going to be able to re-sign this guy after this year? Right, is that while he is a hometown kid and he lives two doors down from Chris, uh, from Scott Fitter or whatever, at the same time, does that mean that he don't want to get adequate money? I mean, you remember, did Daryl Daryl Revis ever take a discount from nobody? No, he didn't. Right, and on top of that is that as someone who has struggled with injury throughout his career, he has to know that there's a limited time going forward and every opportunity counts. 
So if we can't, if we're not reasonably going to re-sign him going into the future, wouldn't it be ideal in a moment to get some assets, particularly for a team that does not have a second or third round pick next year? Right? Is it second and third round, Cody? Uh, yeah, we don't have a we don't have a second round or a third round. We have one so, pick in the top one hundred. How absurd is it for me to say that Stefan Gilmore, um, if the Carolina Panthers continue to regress throughout the season, uh, should be considered uh, trade worthy, particularly since we just traded for him? Don't we only have two weeks left for trades? Is that how long it is? I I, I think it's not far away. I trade. wonder if they moved the deadline. I'll look it up while you guys discuss how I thought it was. No, I, I thought it was November the second was the trade. Oh, no, that's like two weeks then. Yeah, that's about two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, yeah November second at four p.m. I think it was. As a GM yep. move, I, I like that because I do feel like we need to try to do some things to get uh, better position for the future. But I, I don't think we have enough time to get him some good tape and to get somebody's chops looking to get him. I was hoping that the, and the, and then they really got mad at me when I said the team to trade him to was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know that people don't want to help a rival, but at the end of the day, are we really going to be making a push for a deep, super uh, deep playoff run this year? I don't know if that was really in the cards from the beginning. I know the three and no start got the Panther fans excited about it as potentially this team being a lot better than we expected them to be. But, I mean, if, if this team is having this many problems at, at this point, and it's just a litany of problems, um, right now it just doesn't seem our time. So who cares if the, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be good this year? Um, and on top of that, Richard Sermon out with a hamstring injury. These guys are in win-now mode, win mode. I think Gilmore to the Bucks for a third-round pick is flipping or a second round. I mean, I know second round's a little high. But I think you, man, you find a guy in desperation times. I think it could happen. Chris, did you see why they call him the punching bag? I mean, come on, these are his takes. Hey, well, let, let me give you a surprise one here if we, if we have time. What, what would you think of a Chris McCaffrey trade? Hey, Chris, I'm, I'm fine with it, man. I, listen, I love Christian McCaffrey, the player, but we've been having this conversation over whether or not McCaffrey is injury prone. And frankly, I think that that he, one, I don't believe that you should pay running backs that much money. I don't care who it is, but then the fact that our entire game plan is based around him and he's been hurt so bad and things just fall apart when he's not here. If there was value to get for him and the team is willing to give up some picks, Chris, I'm not freaking out if we trade him. Absolutely not. What if you could trade Christian and this is all such big what is because you got player availability and team needs that, that make these things yeah. work. But if you could trade Christian and get somebody on the offensive line that's good, then to me that's that's a fair consideration. I'm not saying it would happen, but I just I feel like and I hope that the front office is considering possibilities with Christian and they're not just being completely oblivious to the fact that. Basically, ever since Coach Rule has been here, Christian McCaffrey has not been an asset to him. He's only been a possibility, and he's had him for a yeah. few games. But he's basically not been an asset or resource for Matt Rule since he's been here, and we've been okay, right? So no, we haven't. We have well, not been okay. We. I don't. <laughs> I, don't really like haven't. Things, I don't feel like things would have been that much better with Christian. No, 
better. Right. Is that yeah. him alone is not going to, he's not the savior of this team and he's not the reason alone that we're, you know, the problems are more systemic um, for the Panthers success than Christian McCaffrey. But the answer is absolutely not. And the reason being is this, is that if you guys think I'm crazy for trying to say, trade Stefan Gilmore away, a guy who has never even played a snap for the Carolina Panthers, y'all are crazy to think that trading Christian McCaffrey is a viable option because this is something I did learn this year. I am, I'm, it turns out I'm a slow learner, but I'm a good learner. Is that when you trade someone, I did not know this. I thought that they just inherited the contract. So that they, um, when you trade someone in the past, I just assumed that they inherited the contract, right? But the guaranteed money has to be paid by the team that signed the deal. True. So when, uh, so all of a sudden that money gets accelerated immediately. So the kind of, the way guaranteed money works is, is that in theory, that the the way that the contract structures have been negotiated between the players and the, and the NFL is that you're guaranteed this money, but we can prorate it over the life of the contract as long thought, as you're on the team. I thought the team that signed the contract has to still be responsible for the guaranteed money. Yes, they do. So okay. like when you trade him away, all of a sudden it gets accelerated to that moment. So like whatever's left over, you don't get to spread it out anymore. Right. Is that you as long as they're on the team, you can spread it out over the life of the deal. But once they're no longer on the team, you got to finish paying them. You got to write the check. And so right. all of a sudden that means that there is a lot. And if you look at the Christian McCaffrey extension, new contract extension is like the money ain't even kicking in yet. Um, it's not even till next year. So there is a lot of back taxes to be paid on christian mccaffrey still and so i just think number one is financially it doesn't make any sense and sadly is this is that maybe cody is right but you know what you've you you got the deal the deal is done right so you got to live with that contract whether you like it or not and then next is that because christian mccaffrey has struggled with injury over the last 17 games i don't know if you're going to be able to command what we think it's worth either so not only would you have to eat a big debt debt but on top of that you might not get as much as you think you could get and so if you don't think you can get a third for the former defensive player of the year and stefan gilmore trying to go get a first round pick for christian mccaffrey he has only played three games in two years i'm not disagreeing with any of that but i will say if you want to be an optimist he's halfway through his four-year contract <laughs> well maybe I don't know. It's a long, it feels like there's a lot of life oh, left on it still. All right, let's do this. Is one of the great content that you used to bring pre-COVID was that you would uh, you would court some of these players to come hang out with you for an afternoon, and you would really kind of give us a kind of just a get to know you segment of these players. Um, if there was one player that you could, if you were going to reboot that right now in the when COVID is up, who is the guy that you would bring in first? Come on now. You don't know? You guys want to guess, or you want me to just straight up tell you? Ooh, you want to guess? All right, you guess first, Cody. <sighs> Say the question so I can give. I can give right, my so best. Chris Jenkins, some of the best content that he's always produced in the past is he used to bring in players and they'd come hang out at a studio. I think he played ping pong with a guy one time or something like we'll, that. We'll play a little game. Um, yeah, they play some sort of game, and then it's real. It's not lighthearted. But it's you can tell that the players are comfortable in the setting, right? And it's not like meant to be a gotcha segment. It's meant to uh, give us some insight into them as a person, I feel like. And it's wonderful. It's very popular. We all love to watch it. We love to get to know these players. We love to get to know players until we get to know them and we don't like them. 
That's the funny <laughs> thing is we always want to get to know players, get to know players. But then when they start saying things you don't like to hear, everybody's like, I wish they would just play football. Or, <laughs> or, or you get to know them and they leave. You get to yeah. know them and you like them. And like James Bradbury, for example, that, you know, that's some guy that I feel like Panther fans really didn't uh, get to know very well until the end of his time. He's very period. buttoned up. Yeah, and, yeah, and I know you've done a bunch of uh, content with him as well. So yeah, I right, you guess. All right, I'll guess. My guess is this: is the person in right behind you, Jeremy Chin. That's my guess. Nope. Yeah. No. 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 Okay. Who do you Robbie think he Anderson. would want? Oh, Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. Well. Oh God, I know that would be just gold. Because because Robbie, you can have so many first. Uh, this is my mom calling, but actually I shouldn't have to answer because my wife here, so I should be okay. The rings again, I'll get it. But Robbie Anderson, you can have so like when you first first see him, you can have so many prejudiced opinions of him. To be honest, yeah. right? Like, who like Cam. is he? Right. But then after you you get to know him a little bit more and you see some things, you're like, oh, you kind of start to see who he is, and I, I just think he's a very entertaining guy, and I would love the opportunity to see if I could connect right oh i wonder you know I, I feel like you guys have two different personalities too yeah i don't feel like i even know what his personality is so he, he, he's really i'm really mystified by like i love him but he does remind me a lot of cam is that like he has a lot of great insight but his words like his selection his word selection sometimes is just a little tweet there's a great twitter account and robbie blocked him and it was like translating Robbie Anderson tweets. And so the guy, every time Robbie Anderson would tweet something, he would write it in like this very thoughtful, philosophical way because Robbie's always trying to say something, but the way he says it is kind of, I won't say it's just kind of like a common, common talk, you know? So he has like this kind of his own language, almost like how Cam has his own font. And right. so this guy would be like, live in your dreams and your best life. Keep pushing forward at all costs. And, he, and that would be like Robbie Anderson would be like, keep your head up. Don't do it. You know, it's like it's, just, it's like the best account. Um, let's stick with Robbie Anderson here is that if you did get to hang out with him, we would ask this. Or actually, what do you think? What's going on with Robbie right now in the production? Um, he's so sure handed last year. You know, Robbie comes in last year and I thought he was fantastic. Quickly became a favorite player on the team to me. Because a guy whose strength is to go downfield and really be a two or three catch guy a game, but it'd be like two for 70. It's kind of like a Deshaun Jackson type player. You know, it's not volume wise. You didn't think he was going to come in here and get 10 catches a game. But all of a sudden, because of the limitations with maybe conservative Teddy, I don't know if it's physical limitations, even though Teddy's, Teddy's trying to air it out. Like, why did he, why did he do that here? You know, it's like in Denver. Now he's just throwing the deep ball everywhere. He's not very good at it still, but. He's still now he's trying. Um, but last year, Robbie comes in and turns into a possession receiver and had to live in a, a very kind of tough world in a physical world. And I thought he did a good job at it. And it felt like he caught anything and everything thrown in his direction. This year has not gone that way. People have said that the chemistry has not been there with Sam Darnold. Uh, you saw some frustrations on Robbie Anderson. He's come out and said that he you know, thinks that they should have been utilizing him in a different way. Um, what is going on with Robbie Anderson and, and is he broken? Is he gotten paid and he's not going to be productive anymore? Or is this, is it just in a rut? 
I'm confused about what's going on with Robbie <laughs> because he said things about like his press conference, I, I think two weeks ago. I'm sorry if I don't have dates right. It's, it's baby talk, baby brain. Yeah, don't worry. But, yeah. He spoke about guys that get big contracts and how they kind of may just accept whatever's happening because they don't care they got paid. But he said he's not one of those guys. And the way that he delivered it to me, I'm like, okay, that seems very convincing to me. Uh, but I don't know if you guys have had a chance to tune in. My co-host, Lauren, she said, well, maybe he was just saying that to cover up the fact that, hey, he doesn't want people to expose him for that kind of guy. But I will say this. What I do know is the way that he missed those passes last week, I just don't feel like I could like find an explanation for that because it was horrendous. And for yeah. me, the one that was the most horrendous was the one that hit him in the chest. And to me, that's like the most utterly unacceptable thing from a professional wide receiver because that's something you might see definitely in high school, maybe some colleges. But you should never, ever have hand-eyes coordination that allows a ball to come straight and hit you in the chest as a, re- a cornerback like, on the pros. And that like, to me was like the utter, like, I don't know what's wrong with this guy for that. He got time. Ted Ginn Jr. syndrome. Did Ted even drop a ball like that? Ted would. You know, Ted Ginn dropped some terrible. He did. We, he we, did we drop cannot some let the yeah. recency bias get to us. I know. Ted he did have some good seasons there. He had some good ball. seasons there, but he did drop some layups. It felt like where it was but just like, dropped, oh my God. Right? Yeah. This was yeah. like. I mean, this when like hit him in the face, basically. <laughs> All right, I got a tough question. You might, and you can just say no comment if you want. Uh, your wife got a problem with you always getting these hot co-hosts. You always <laughs> got a good-looking co-host, man. Like, you ever feel like you got the best-looking co-host in the whole business every year? <laughs> well, that's a good one, man. I, feel, uh, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. You know, we, say, we no we comment. We talk right. and we communicate, and uh, she understands the business that's going on, and she she fully supports everything that's going on. She's she's a fan of Lauren and I. She tunes in to the pregame shows, so it's it's been able to be worked out pretty good. Where there's a lot of understanding about what's going on, and I think you I guys say are you have a you your co-host. You have a type. <laughs> that's what I would say, uh, Cody. What else we got? We got to hit up. Uh, listen, I want to turn to Sam Darnold. Because he has been at the center of so much discussion. People were excited about Sam. Chris thought that he'd be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. Now we're just wondering if uh, those two guys are the same dude with a different complexion. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're really trying to figure it out. It seems like Sam is having a lot of inconsistencies, especially when there's so much pressure in his face, too. But really, there's been some times where, uh, especially that opening play of the game, he had a pristine pocket and then just throws a boneheaded interception to start off the game. What are we thinking about Sam Donald at this point? Do you think this football team is sold on him being their future at the position? And if not, how quickly do you think David Tepper would turn around on Sam Donald kind of like it did Teddy Bridgewater? You guys remember what we gave up to get Sam by any chance? Uh, a third... I can look it up. It might have been a two, a second, a third, and a six or something like that. We gave up a decent amount to get him. Yeah. 
It was a good amount. I mean, it was a decent amount. But now we do get two years with him. I mean, if, if this works, we still got a fifth-year option for him. So, like, it's this year and next year on a very cheap contract. So, it's not like um, Cody's looking it up. And you know what? The chat room... A sixth-rounder in 2021 uh, and a fourth-rounder in 2022. Say that one more time. It's uh, a, a sixth-rounder. In 2021, and a fourth rounder in 2022. Trill said a second, a fourth, and a sixth. Yeah, and that's our yeah, true. That's the second round that we're missing this next yeah. draft. That's why we don't have a second, it. a fourth, and a sixth. And and what years were you know? There's some comp, you know, is what years those hit are some questions. But a second, a f- Ooh, this is this person says a second, a fifth, and a sixth next year. <laughs> so hey, you know what? Either way, it wasn't a fourth round pick. <laughs> so we, we we did move away from Teddy Bridgewater pretty quick, and I'm I'm thinking he here he's expensive too. See, the problem with Teddy was not his performance, and I, everybody everybody kept ragging like they were you're a Teddy hater, you're a Teddy hater. They tell me, and I was, and you know what? And I, I'm kind of, I mean, I I'm still. You know, I'm a Cam lover, man. Like, Cam is my dude. Is my dude. And so, like, I wasn't going to like whoever was coming in unless they were awesome. But the problem with the Teddy Bridgewater thing was not him, but the contract was, like, three years. He's getting paid. We were paying up to $20 million. You know what? So, we had to pay him to leave. You know, he should have only gotten a one-year deal because he hadn't been a starter and he hadn't been since he had been with a significant injury, right? He had done five games. But this is this isn't about the contract with Sam Darnold. Now this one, so we had the contract problem with Teddy. Now we got the acquisition problem with Sam Darnold. So Sam is, I would say my big verdict on Sam will come out after this week. I did the same thing overall with the team. I don't know if you guys saw, but I said if the if the Eagles, I'm sorry, if we lose to the Eagles and the Cowboys, it's very very bad. <laughs> We lost to those two. So this is not the fan of me, but this is just the analyst or reporter in me, whatever you want to call it. I, I feel like this season's not going to be great. I feel like there's a lot right. to get in place on, in many different aspects. <clears throat> By far, I would love it to be great because it is so much more fun reporting on the team and going into the locker rooms after a victory than it is after a loss. <clears throat> so I would like to have fun working, but I don't think it's going to be that exciting. Uh, <clears throat> So for Sam, he's had three bad games in a row, and I, I, I would say they're getting worse each week with his with his games. And I feel like this, regardless of the contract situation, I know we're trying to talk about the what all we gave up to get him. If we have anything similar to what we have been having this week against the New York Giants, then you got to start considering things for next year because it's – I mean, at that point, you even just say, give me a guy that can just do can, uh, manage the game. <laughs> give me a guy that's not going to yeah. throw all these turnovers. Uh, Which then it's like, the give first. us Teddy back. I hate to hear that. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah but then yeah. the game manager thing, like, isn't that what we're dealing with? Like, we, we just we, all we've had is guys that are either game changers or trying to be game changers. It, it doesn't seem like David Tepper with his M.O. of, of you know really wanting to win football games right now especially seeing how fast we moved on from bridgewater i, I just can't get stafford yeah, too. I just, yeah trying to get stafford 
apparently Joe po- uh, Person reported even as recently that the Carolina Panthers were still a part of trade talks with Deshaun Watson. However serious or not those were is up for discussion. But, uh, I mean, I, I have a hard time, Chris, imagining that Sam has a long leash or even another year after this to prove himself. I kind of think that as tough of a job as it might be for him behind this offensive line, I think Sam has to start playing a lot better uh, or else he's probably out the door. Yeah, I feel like Tepper is quite okay with moving along for something to work. And I feel like that for many reasons and a few billion reasons is he didn't get rich by being emotionally tied to things that weren't working. (laughs) Right. So I feel like if he can get something that helps his bottom line and go now, he's not going to feel like he's tied to Sam Darnold. If the Scott and those guys can figure out a way to move it and keep it going. I definitely feel that way in that regard. Is uh, Deshaun Watson in the cards? I feel like Tepper wouldn't care if it was Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm, I hadn't been hearing too much. I know Joe has been reporting pretty well on, on the talks. I'm, I'm not privy to that that part of it on the inside information type deal, but I feel like Tepper would certainly be okay with it. How long of a rule uh, leash do you think Matt Rule ultimately has? We think all right, and this is my consensus, or I think I think it's a pretty safe opinion to have this too. Is that? Um, if if we are really bad this year, then next year becomes a hot seat year. If we're Absolutely. good, if if we're good this year, then next year is guaranteed, dis- regardless of what we play like. And then the fourth year is the hot year, hot seat potential year. If we're bad next year, um, do you think that uh, that that rule will be around longer than year three if this year is bad and next year is bad? No, no, no. Because I agree. I've said the exact same thing that you said. This year would can be leading right now to him being on the hot seat next year. Again, very, very, very highly paid coach. (laughs) And you're having a very, very obvious problem. And you have more than one, but you're having a very, very obvious problem. And I think that Panther fans got so excited about the three. No, I think regardless, you're going to get excited, but you got excited because we have a lot of new people that were doing a lot of good things. You had a defense that was being pretty much number one across the board in the NFL. And you had an offense that was doing pretty decent with DJ Moore being great. And, uh, you know, Christian at the time was, was doing all right. Robbie's kind of struggled all season long. I remember asking coach rule, what in week two or so about, about Robin, he's like, ah, oh, no, nah, it's, it's no big deal. And of course, it did, did turn to a big deal. So I definitely feel like year three could be the hot seat for him. And, and going back to me saying that I feel like after the back to back losses against Philly and, and Dallas, that that's going to happen. And I saw today that Pro Football Focus said that we've had, up to date, we've had the easiest schedule. We're now we have the hardest. And now we have the hardest remaining. I'm sure the Giants isn't the biggest reason for that, but just in totality, our remaining remaining schedule is is difficult. They say that about a lot of teams. You know, Denver is another. Interestingly, our storylines are married to Denver because of Teddy Bridgewater, and they also had a stinker of a beginning of a schedule, and they're about to get into a tough 
back into the schedule. So we're like mirroring each other as teams, particularly both started out three and oh, and now both have dropped, I think three in a row, maybe. Um, so I, I, I want to ask you this, and this is a, a, and this is more of a gut feeling question, I guess. Do you think rule has what it takes to be successful? Do you think he will be successful in this league? Is it getting harder to answer that question? <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like he's almost going to potentially have to do like a a Ron Rivera. You remember when Ron Rivera became Riverboat Ron? Yeah, he just flipped the switch on his coach. It was because he was he had his back against the wall. It was not because he was a gambler. People continued to act like he was gambling and like it was part of his nature. No, he always did that when he was about to get fired. He did. But but he knew to do it. Right? Yeah. And and so for rule that might be changing up his staff or it might be telling Brady what plays that he wants called or tell, telling him, "Hey, I need you to change your style." And, and be emphatic about it so that he can have an opportunity. So he's about to be tested in that regard. And I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like he's he's going to have those conversations. I really feel like he has a strong enough convictions to say, hey, you guys need to change this or we're all going to be out of here. Do you think there's a sacrificial lamb that's going to be fired at some point? Like, because uh, I've been wondering this is like uh, we've looked at this offensive line as being problematic. I don't think you fire an offensive line coach in the middle of the season. I just don't, you know, I don't know if that's like the best move. But Chase Brackburn uh, and this special teams has not been very good this year. Well, some of that's been personnel. It was a kicking. You know, Rule comes out and said we we we're gonna get this fixed. That's what he told us. He made that promise, man. I, that might be the death statement that he made this past week where he said we are going to get these issues fixed we're going to get the um and it was like i don't know if you can fix some of these things right it's like i don't know if all of a sudden the line going to be better i don't know if sam like you're going to not he said we're not going to turn the ball over anymore it's like oh god yes we are here it comes here comes seven interceptions this week just because you jinxed this into it but the special teams has not just been a personnel issue they've had a lot of penalties um They've had uh, to call timeouts because they didn't have enough men on the field. Um, and now Joe Brady's even coming under fire. Do you think everybody is like, do you think Matt Rule uh, will have or will have to consider that at some point is like making the Ron Rivera fight? You remember who did Ron Rivera fight? Like, you remember he demoted um, who was our defensive coordinator that year? Was it Steve? Uh, it wasn't Steve Wilkes. It was the guy after him. Um, it Eric was the guy. Yeah, Eric Washington, memory demoted him. And um, and then North Turner all of a sudden retired, and they brought up Scott Turner, which was kind of surprising. Do you foresee anything that, or do you think that they're just going to play it out? Yeah, I feel like he would, he would have to roll it out. I feel like they, they would just play it out with the people that he has, and he just he's going to be trying to light a fire under all the guys that he currently has. Do you think that if there's struggles, though, after this year that, you know, I mean, college coaches do this a lot is that they will if they if things are not working, um, they will they will bring in a new defensive coordinator next year. And I mean, obviously, that's a bad example because Phil Snow ain't going nowhere. I mean, that I think he's tethered to Matt Rule and that's fine. I, like, I think he's the best coach on the staff. Um, but do you think that you could see something some like is that as the seat heats up for Matt Rule that he does some shuffling in the future? 
Mm, I don't. I don't see him doing it with his coordinators. Maybe okay. some of the other positional coaches. So you like? You think he believes in Joe Brady? Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. feel like he does. Doesn't he have some ties to Joe? I don't think so. I, I think that because uh, Joe, uh, I think he just, um, I think he just, uh, no, I don't think he did. I think he went out and it was because uh, he knows that Joe Brady had all that success with LSU. He knows that Joe Brady had some experience in the NFL when it comes to um, being involved with the New Orleans Saints at one point. Um, and I think he just likes the kind of young, good, um, good thinker type mentality. I don't know if he had any direct um ties to him cody what do you got any, any more questions that we need to fire down the hole um yeah i want to do you uh are you in the business of doing predictions do you think that the panthers get right against the giants i mean look we can both admit right if we lose to the giants we just had a giant sky on here their team has been historically bad they're one in five i mean if if the Panthers lose this game, should we already be starting to look at the draft? Is this team already a bust with, uh, you know, no hope going forward? How important is this game specifically for the Panthers going forward? I'll, I'll, I have a confession. You just almost put me into a an emotional state of being sad. Oh no! <laughs> because I'm like, man, how how miserable will it be to cover this team if they lose to the Giants? It would be oh man, it it wouldn't be fun. No, it would not. Uh, so I'm I may be getting fired. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry. If you could just sum that question up again for me, Cody, real quick. Yeah. So how about I'll, I'll I'll just put it to you like this: Do you like the Panthers' chances in spite of the bad O line? In spite of the bad play calling in the third quarter, do you like Carolina's chances to beat the New York Giants on the road this Sunday? I would expect them to. I would certainly 1 million percent expect the Carolina Panthers to defeat the New York Giants in New York this Sunday. You 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 take the offensive line as one of our bad things, right? But you look at everything else, okay? Chuba Hubbard He's a pretty solid running back. First rookie Can't to catch have for shit, though. Right. <laughs> so that's where our coaching needs to come in play is, yes. you know, take him out of being in a lot of opportunities to get catches. Certainly have him there as a safety valve as needed, but try something with other guys in there. I know today he mentioned that. Did you guys know that Shai Smith used to be a tailback? Anybody knew that? No, I didn't. Oh, he's like that. our new Curtis Samuel. Yeah, well, he said the Shy Smith can do some tailback for us. So when he said that, I'm like, okay, now I don't know how good his blocking is, but if you can find a way where he's still effective enough where you can have him in there where he he can be an outlet, even though, well, he's our number three receiver, so I don't know if you want to put him completely in that role. Sorry for thinking out loud, but basically we have pretty good skill guys. DJ Moore, Robbie Anson, though he's been struggling. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, pretty Trimble decent. stepping up. Um, Ian Thomas not playing bad this year. And Sam, you know, he's been here and here, right? So you say he has the ability. Our defense is pretty good. Hassan and Brian and I know Shaq Thompson's still not going to play, but you have all these other talented Dante Jackson and and even Jermaine Carter, I think, hasn't been talked about very much, but is playing pretty well. 
I feel like it's just all really there and we should win. We should absolutely win. Yeah, it's going to be you want to if we're asking if they're panicking now, if they lose or the Giants, the panic will be in the building. Yeah, I asked a tough question to the guys on the show last night. Um, maybe not a tough question. It's kind of, you know, we're kind of we, we just have to speculate. We're on the outside. Even you guys who are on the inside, you know, we've heard Joe Person complaining about not being able to get player interviews. And like the worst part of COVID is like not getting in the locker room because it's really hard to get a sense when the just PR people are coming out basically and giving you the the regular talking points. Um, did you sense uh in frustration from Brian Burns this past week after this game? Because you know, David Newton comes out and he, and the poor guy gets flogged. I've become a David Newton fan. Another reason people hate me on this podcast because he asked either the most awful questions or the most awesome ones. And even when they're awful, they're kind of awesome. But he did say, um, if you look back at week three, did you say foresee yourself? Uh, what would you have said to yourself if you told uh, told uh, learned how the next week three weeks were going? And Brian Burns just goes, I don't know what that means, yo. He said, I don't know. You didn't ask me that three weeks ago. Oh, that's what it was. He said, he said I don't know. You me. didn't ask me that three weeks ago. He seemed but, by the frustrated. way, that's the perfect answer to a stupid question. Yeah. Man. He, uh, he seemed, um, but he seemed um, not, I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't rude to David Newton. And, and it wasn't like he's like a calm, frustrated. So I don't feel like he's over being emotional. But I think I can sense the disappointment that he is not putting up the numbers uh, that he had hoped to, right? I mean, and there's been some missed opportunities to lean on an old Ron Rivera statement. And they were asked about, I think they asked him about the strip sack is like if he would have, you know, if he would regretted, like would he just go for the sack? And You know what I mean? I think, I think he, he said, I thought it was an honest answer. He said, that's just me being young and wanting to get the big time play or something like that. Do you think that uh, frustration is mounting even for star players like Brian Burns? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, these guys are, you know, elite at their positions. Brian Brian Burns, he's elite. He he wants to be great. And they – Reddick's feasting, they feasting over there. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't – I mean, you don't make a bet with Hassan Reddick about who gets to buy who a golf cart if you're not – gung-ho alpha male about what's going on so tell us right. about this we don't i don't know about this what's this golf cart bet oh so whoever has the most sacks gets a golf cart from the other person and oh so, and it's gonna be blinged out too probably yeah so brian burns specifically said you know you know he loves spider-man so he told him already you know it's gonna be spider-man out and all the spidey stuff on it and you know if he loses then he has to buy hassan one and uh you know that was looking like a really good bet, really fun thing to talk about through the first three weeks. And now, you know, Reddick's getting a damn golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> so the, fus- the frustration is, is high. And that's where our coaching is about to come very important for this group of guys when they play New York Giants this weekend is you got to put these guys in a better position to win. You got to find a way to stop these second half mistakes. You got to find a way to figure out what's going on with Robbie Anderson. You got to find a way to play with with Sam Darnold if he does start to struggle, right? That's part of coaching, right? If he does yeah. start to struggle in that first quarter, whatever it is, what hopefully it's just missed completions instead of interceptions, then you got to change something up 
for what would work for him and the team at that time and not just keep chunking the ball down the field when he's, you know, not in position to do so. So, yeah, frustration is definitely there. And Hassan Reddick, you know, he showed – I didn't see him this past week after the game, but two weeks ago, I guess that would be after the Eagles game. You know, this guy looked numb to the world. Like, he, he just looked like he was a dead man walking. Just very frustrated. Wow. Because they know they have All the right. – they have the pieces. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, you know, you got to know when, and, and I'm, yeah, I think to be honest, I'm, I'm surprised. I think Robbie held him, uh, carried himself very well yesterday or Monday when he came out and they're asking about his struggles. And I think he said, look, is that a university's part of this game? And, you know, I mean, I know I haven't played this bad in a game before, but damn, um, he didn't seem to not be believing in himself anyway in the future. All right, um, that's the beat check for right now. Uh, we've been going an hour and a half at this point. Chris Jenkins, Charlotte Vibe, tell them uh, the kind of work you're putting out, the content you were putting out this this year. Yeah, so just every every day that there's practice, every time there's news, going to be pumping out uh, some content. All of my content is through video. You can find that on all the social medias, but predominantly all of the videos reside on YouTube. And love to invite you guys to join my pregame show. There's always live every single Sunday at 1130 prior to the game. Help get you up to date and prepare for the game at hand. And good news, I won't have the exact content that I used to have, and we all love with the one-on-ones with players, but I will start having player interviews similar starting this week. That will be returning nice. back nice. to the network. So cool. you got to do it virtually? Are you going to have to do it virtually? This will be in person. So uh, it's been a lot oh, of work wow. to get here. <laughs> so nice. It will be in person. Yeah. Nice. Good nice. Stuff, well, man. the nice man for the people. Hey, yeah. I, hey listen, and he'll you ask know. your questions, folks. He will ask your questions. Yeah, man. Listen, th- this, is, this is how we refer to Chris, the man of the people. He's got his ears to the ground. He answers the fans. This is your go-to source, man. Chris, I'm so happy you could join us in again tonight man we definitely got to do this more often yes I'm, I'm game for more often if anybody did watch the press conference today most of my questions were from fans that uh wanted me to ask things so yeah i love working for you guys hit my man up awesome. on twitter subscribe on youtube to charlotte vibe uh get in those comment sections like the thumbs at the hey you know what i'm gonna tell you to do it for our our podcast right now smash yeah. the thumbs up button uh, subscribe, hit the little bell notification, and hit the little share. All you got to do is one share. It's like tell a friend, phone a friend about the content out there. That helps us grow, um, and that helps uh, all of us. When we grow, um, we all grow together. A rising tide lifts all boats. Chris, it was That's wonderful it. to talk with you again. Congratulations on the baby. Um, and uh, I know it's getting late for you. She so said she was going to bring some rest. the baby, and I don't, I don't know what happened. She said she was bringing the baby. Well, we, we, could, we can wait thirty seconds. <laughs> He's probably passed okay. out, man. It's yeah. past his bedtime. Don't. Uh, oh, here, can I give you a couple of fatherly advices? I will certainly listen. Okay, number one: never wake a sleeping baby. <laughs> never. Right? Is that people would do this? Stupid... Tell you to change his diaper. Right. No, don't wake him up. Don't ever wake him up. You don't ever wake them up. Is that like, that's the whole, like, is this, is that people will be like this. I got to get them on this schedule. So they'll wake this baby up. No baby. When baby sleeps, let them sleep. Enjoy that moment. Number two, 
Number two part is this is um, don't overly protect, like don't change your life too much. Um, and what I mean by that is like, uh, like my sister-in-law used to do this and she would have like a sign on her door that would be like baby napping. Don't come here. Don't ring the doorbell. Don't make any noise. Don't do that. Look, is that live your life. People are going to like, if your baby, your baby's going to wake up sometimes, like you can't just tiptoe around life all the time. This and that is that live your life, take your baby with you places and just deal with it. Like don't quit life because you got a baby now. Make the baby part of your life. Um, and then last, I would say, um, don't be too hard on yourself. Like, there ain't no perfect way to raise a baby. Uh, again, there's only one key. There's only one thing you can't do, and that's let them die. Other than that, <laughs> Keep you're just living. figuring it out. You figure it out, and you love the kid. You love your wife, and you support your wife. And uh, And be one of those hands-on dads, too. Change the damn diapers. Don't make don't be one of these masculine men that like I can't rock the baby. Heck no. Wait until they start moving around. It's easy now. It's gonna be all it's easy right now. Is they can't move. They can't move, they can't talk. So, so there's only two things you do. You change them and you feed them, and that's it. Uh yeah. so those are my kind of three my my points of advice. Uh, you can't screw it up. They're hard to screw up. Kids are durable. Oh, and, and inevitably, you will screw them up. Yeah, Every parent screws up their kids. Yeah, that'd be okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, by the way, I thought it'd be funny to mention before we get out of here that uh, uh, this story came across my timeline uh, from New York Daily News. Uh, Giants kicker Graham Gano says Panthers doctors misdiagnosed career-threatening injury when he was oh, here. Oh, which this actually is a giant storyline, not this part, but – Ryan Vermillion in uh, Washington, like, got arrested and raided and all of this. Yeah, crazy. And he was, um, he's been with that with the Panthers. You know, I can't wait to see what this story turns out to be. You know, is he involved in some sort of steroid ring? Is he, uh, what? what is going, is he cheating on his taxes? What is going on with the guy that everybody trusted in RV, who, when you look in retrospect, uh, Graham Gano's now saying it. Cam Newton never—they never handled the Cam Newton injuries correctly. Um, so that's an interesting story, Cody. Yeah. Uh, and I hope Graham. What? What if Graham Gano? Oh, how about this? What if the Panthers lose on a last-minute field goal kick by Graham Gano? Again, uh, I would, you guys. You're not thinking about me and my career and what it will be like if we lose in any oh, fashion. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but in that fashion right there, if that happens, that's going to be some Panther fans are going to burn the building down. We host you better tell them to Panther go into hiding fans. if that's the case. We host Angry Panther fans four times every week. Trust me, you wouldn't be alone in that. Uh, <laughs> it would not be fun for us either, man. All right. Uh, that's hey, on Chris a personal Chicken note, yeah, Graham Gano is one of my favorite guys, personally. Wow, just a guy. Not guy. mine, not mine. <laughs> I hold a grudge, I'm not though. talking about the athlete. I'm talking about the person. Okay, I hold a grudge. The only best kick he ever made was when he kicked that dang uh, dirty diaper into the trash can when he had a baby. That was the best kick he ever made. Um. All right. Uh, Chris punch Jenkins, show it by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch him back. We uh, appreciate your time, man, and we're going to catch up with you throughout the season, man.
Hey, any, anytime I can do something for you guys, questions or coming on the show, let me know. All right. Awesome. You've heard the beat check. We're here on uh, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. live. Um, we've got the post game show, which has been rocking and rolling, been a very popular part. Madden simulations coming out that have been, uh, been excellently narrated by CK, Cody, and um, also this beat check is turning into a great segment. And another segment that's going to be released, we're probably going to have to release it tomorrow just to spread out the content. We're going to go finish recording it right now where Cody and I debate my take, where we battle each other over a series of topics. And I always win, and Cody always uses me as a punching bag. All right. uh, Let's get out of here, guys. All right. Everybody in the chat, keep pounding. Till next time, peace and love. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.